Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm J.R. Hamlin. Welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast, where we learn how the writers of our favorite television comedy shows go about doing what they do. Got a good one for you tonight. Elliot Kalin, writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I'm going to pick his giant brain. Get ready to get your learn on, people. You're part of the Writer's Block now. Let's do this. Um, all right, so we're here with uh, Elliot Kalin, is that right? Yes, that's right. that's the name. And who am I? You're J.R. Havlin. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> this is very exciting. I think it's going pretty well so far. Yeah, this is great. Are, am I hosting this, or are you hosting this? Uh, you know, we can, with that, that remains to be seen. It's sort of an audition for both of us, really. <laughs> you know, we send this over to the suits, and then they tell us what's up. Um, uh, so we're going to uh, talk about, we got a, f- a few things, actually, you know, I mean, a bunch of stuff. First of all, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank know, you for asking me. I know I'm not looking right at you. We had a discussion earlier about how close... I just have the one microphone, how close we should get to that microphone. Elliot Kalin, by the way, writer for The Daily Show with Jonathan... John, just John Stewart. John Stewart. Yeah, not Jonathan Stewart. But his name's not really John Stewart. I mean, it is now. He legally changed it. Lee, are you sure about that? I looked it up. Yeah. Have you seen the papers? Uh, I haven't seen the actual papers, no. I think Sheriff Arpaio is looking into that. Am I wrong? <laughs> I should hope so. He probably... Hopefully America's <laughs> toughest lawman has this on his on his caseload. <laughs> It doesn't have much else going on, so I'm just going to look into the whole Leibowitz connection. It only takes so much time per day to check that your prisoners are wearing pink, pink frilly underwear. That's, yes. Is that really, maybe, is that, was that a Arizona thing? Yeah, that was one of his things, was that in order to debase his prisoners as much as possible, sure, he made why them not? wear pink underwear. Oh. Because what man could, could feel anything less than than nothing wearing underwear of a color that is slightly girly? Well, I'm going to go with maybe 60% of prisoners <laughs> that probably are walking around... Because it's just nice. This is nice. <laughs> These are, this is way this comfortable. Is, this is something I could never do at home. I couldn't do this <laughs> Thank at you, home. Thank you, Sheriff Joe. <laughs> Sheriff Joe, you're my best friend. <laughs> uh, when I get out, I'm going to kill you. But I really like what you did for me here. Um, but yes, for the, for the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Right, right. The and show so, I write for. And so do I. You do as well. You are also a writer for the Daily Show a, with Jon Stewart. I'm a writer for the Daily Show. There are like seven, how is there like four... 43 writers? 43,000 writers. 43,000 yeah. writers. Yeah. All just working around the clock. Constantly. Monkeys on typewriters. So many of them are monkeys, yeah. <laughs> and those writers do use typewriters. It's yeah. They can't let the monkeys use the computers. No. They'll just they, break them. Yeah, plus all the monkey porn. It would just slow everything down. Yeah, more than usual, yeah. Mm-hmm. Monkey porn loads at a slower speed than human porn, so. I hope everybody can hear me <laughs> chugging my <laughs> water like out of a sport bottle with the ice rambling around and just... The little thing at the end when you do the sports bottle, it's really nice. It's a good thing. I can't wait to listen up. I'm gonna. It's, we are kind of in my mother's garage in a way. We are bit. in, in what like, I would call a podcast dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> it is basically a storage space. It is. It is a storage space. But with a half bath. Yeah, with a. It's. I'm amazed by that. Yeah, half with bath. a half bath, a closet with no door, but it is still a closet. Right, and the half bath also does, also does not have a door. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. You could still sublet this for quite a bit of money, though. Yeah. To like a homeless guy. Well, I mean, as someone who needs a home, probably a right. college student or, you Somebody know. Somebody could pay for it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. wouldn't want a, a homeless guy's just going to pay you in cans, maybe. There's also a window. Yeah, that's I, true. I would have it open. It's like, i got to work out some kind of way to get some, uh... You may need a fan. A little, yeah, yeah, but then it's going to, um, well, uh, I, I thought it would make too much noise, you know? Yeah, maybe Dyson has some kind of silent fan. 
I think they do, and it doesn't even have blades it in it. It doesn't. It's, it's just circular blade, even the though it has blade. no blades. I saw that recently. I, is that a thing that you have? you ever seen I that don't. operate? I've, I've seen it in stores. What I don't understand is on the commercials they say that it doesn't have some made-up technical thing that, that like, air fan blades chop the air. Ours doesn't. Oh, I don't, but I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why chopping the air is a bad thing. Well, I can't remember what it said in the. Th- I saw it on online. This uh, on a, it was a Groupon, so they had it for a Groupon. So you know mm-hmm. they're doing great. So <laughs> and that's th- a sign of financial success <laughs> yeah. when you're betting on Groupons. <laughs> when you're selling things at half price and giving ninety percent of that to Groupon, <laughs> hoping that that guy will buy seventeen more of them at regular price for his friends because he loves it so much. Oh yeah, the Groupons just to get them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Can you hear that? Yeah, that's the bottle. Yeah, that's the bottle. That's the water bottle. I drink a lot of water, so it's like usually I should have done something. See, lesson learned. Yeah. Well, you get this is your first one. This right. Is your first podcast is right. a tryout. Right. You're gonna know IV drip full of water, so you don't have the noise from the ice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Dyson Airblade fan. <laughs> if it's quiet <laughs> enough. Am I? Is, is my assistant getting this down? <laughs> Betty, are you getting this? Go, keep going. Good She's job. She's getting it. Okay. Good. Thank you, Betty. Go on. Is it the, that's just the two things? That's just the two. I mean, we'll, we'll pick up more as we go along. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so what is this podcast about, Jar Havlin? Well, so far it's about seven minutes long. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> Thanks for using my whole name, too. I love when people refer to it. It's like when Wyatt, Wyatt Sinek, works with us at The Daily Show there. He does a bit in his, uh, um, I believe it's a stand-up comedy routine, mm-hmm. one of his skits that he does. One of his sketches, his yeah. Sketches. Sketches. His sketches. Sketches. Is that right? Yeah. I think that's when you hurt yourself, and when you hurt yourself laughing, you have to get sketches. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, snitches get sketches. <laughs> I really, yeah. and I can't, this is, well, I can't think of any better motivation to learn how to edit. <laughs> but but I'll, I'll get to that. Like, I'm, I'm just going to dive into GarageBand, like, right after this, and just forget cut, I have cut, a family. Cut. Yeah. Tomorrow, you're like, it's great, I got That's it done in two minutes. Oh, I know everything there is to know about it. It's fantastic. Real highlights. It's just, I laugh once and then you laugh and we just, it's fantastic. And it's I love a minute it. and a half of closing yeah. music. I, 23, it oh, seems yeah, right. Of course. So you're saying Wyatt Snack, had, using uh, his full name. Yeah, well, he does a, he does a bit about uh, um, uh, being on a plane and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal comes on. Have you heard this bit? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, he, and throughout the bit, he calls her Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> And that, for some reason, just makes me laugh endlessly. But he also says, he says it like this. He says, Maggie Gyllenhaal. He says, well, what are you doing, Maggie Gyllenhaal? And that also makes me laugh. But I think just using people's full names is uh, is a good comedy tool for some reason. Yeah, that's a good tip. So if any up-and-coming comics are listening to this, write down, just write full names. Full names. Write it down. That's your number one tip. Yeah. And Dyson Bladeless Fan. Yeah, that's Get a number, one of those. That's a zero tip. That goes before the other ones. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So a, there's something before one? Oh, there's a lot. There's all the negative numbers. There's zero. But there's is that little, how you make a list? Uh, it's how you make a list. Look, okay. why be limited to linear time when you're making a list? Why should a list only go in one direction? Why can't it go in the other direction as well? I was thinking about the same thing for what this podcast, what's happening right now. <laughs> Why is this happening and not going in another direction that well, I think you and I both thought it might. But really, it's certainly not the direction that I was told it would go no, in. But. but to be fair, I think I told I, when I was telling you it was it would lasted about thirty seconds and I trailed off on my own. Yeah, I just that's thought, true. Yeah, because I, I didn't really, you know, the idea. Look, we both write for television. And that's not, that's the whole thing. That which brings up actually, this all started. I was talking about how my fear was we would talk for a minute, mm-hmm. and then we would just like it would just fall off a cliff. There'd be nothing else to talk about. It's just dead air for like five or ten minutes, just you and I. Like you could hear like thumbs twiddling or what. I, I don't know if you can hear that. 
Can you hear this? No, I don't think. I can't really do that because I hurt my thumb, you know? Yeah. So that kind of hurts. I don't think the microphone's going to pick that up. That's not picking that up? No, I don't. What if it's it's on cartoid? Do I need to do. Cartoid? That's the. (laughs) I learned that by buying a microphone. That's when it just comes out one side. Oh, I see. Yeah, people are out there right now getting their learn out. (laughs) You're welcome. That's what I have to tell you. That should be the name of the podcast. You're welcome. There's already a segment on the show we write for called You're Welcome, so I don't know if you should do a podcast with that name. Hmm. Did I make that up? Maybe you should just call this podcast Back in Black with Lewis Black. I'll call it Camera 3. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if those are... I don't know if people know those as Camera 3. Oh, yeah. yeah. There are times when John says... So and so, meet me at camera three. We oh, refer yeah. to those as camera threes. I think the audience just calls that part John of the show, or talking. John talks to camera. You know. Yeah, there's a there's a fantastic little piece of insight, but he does say meet me at camera three. That's true, he does. And it is indeed camera it three. It is camera three yeah. of the three cameras the show is shot with. Yeah, are there just the three? There's there are, three, well, and then the boom. No, there's the there there's the uh, what's it called? The jib. It's called. Right. The boom is a microphone, and mm. the I believe, and the jib is the. Is the camera? I could be wrong about that, but that's All what right, we call so it. Let's not get racial. But uh, but yeah, that's the fourth camera. We don't use it that much. Right. Well, just for when we're sweeping into the show and such. Yeah, or sweeping out of the show, or right. if John looks up the at the camera and yells yeah. "Con, Con," that's the like, camera for yeah, that. Yeah, for the guy. Uh, which is the guy that Ricardo uh, Montalban. Yeah. No, but also Con. James Con. No, no. Share Con from the Please Jungle Book. Please don't do this. No, that's not. I'm never going to be able to get the guy's name now. Contiki, the raft. That was what I was thinking of. Yes, I'm going to say yes. That was the one. But we're past the. We're past that. We're we've, well past the five to ten minute thing that I even thought that was going to, you know, that it would be a problem for. Well, yeah. Well, we've been warming. We've warmed up. Yeah. We riffed a little. That's our warm up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that was, you know, the the fear was that like you just you think you're going to have this internet sensation or something, and you just create something instead that's just shitty. Yeah. And uh, um, and it and and then that takes off. <laughs> so now, so that somehow it just becomes like one of like some fat kid dancing or something. And now I have this great podcast after just one episode with but, Elliot Kalin from The Daily Show, and I have to duplicate how shitty it was. Yeah, when you want over to make and it over good, again. Yeah, where do you go? Nowhere to go. You typecast as the shitty podcast guy. Well, here's another thing. Now you have your own podcast. We'll we'll get to it. we'll get to it. This is I'm just we're just talking now. Okay, sure. And it's fun. I didn't I didn't but, pull a knife on you. I just want no, the listeners to know JR's that tone we're gonna shifted. get to something. JR's tone shifted as if I just threatened him in some way. <laughs> That's for them to judge because really <laughs> they they can't see us. They can't see that I'm smiling. Yeah. And I'm very happy. I'm jovial. I'm, I'm just sitting in a chair. I don't have a gun to your head. I think we both have relatively good posture. My you posture know? is terrible. It's but. not. As, it's, mine's a little better because I'm sitting on my drum throne. Yeah. So you need to lift yourself up. Yeah. Me. My drum. It's a Tama drum throne. It has a big. Did you see the flames on the back of it? I did not. It's pretty awesome. It makes me play faster. So it looks like you're farting flames while you play the drums. I didn't think of that, but yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> so never have your back to the audience. They'll no, think yeah. you're farting and flames never, the entire time. Here's a tip. That I learned from Mr. J.R. Havlin, who I'm talking I, to now, just, I, we, which before, is, should we get them to do get their... not play drums in a chair with a back to it. Well, it's for not... some reason this is the height of laziness. No, <laughs> which I only learned <laughs> because you saw it. Was it you two? Yeah, it was, the drummer it's Adam, U2. Adam Clayton Powell the third junior. I think that's his <laughs> name. Like that. He was playing drums on television in a chair with a back, and you were yeah. flabbergasted. You I were so. Dead. Horrified by this. I was this. a bit livid, yeah. <laughs> it just seems late. What are you sitting back for? What is that about? <laughs> sitting forward. Go That's forward not rock and roll. Yeah, no. It's like, how do you do How do you relax? <laughs> you don't relax. What are you, B.B. King? Get the fuck up off of your chair. <laughs> That doesn't. That's no good. Yeah, this is the kind of anger I was talking about. Well, so, yeah, that was a little bit aggressive, and I apologize. I'd like to keep the profanity to a minimum. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but uh, uh, yeah, that, but see, that, that was just the thing was then, then I bought this. We're sitting right next to this uh, uh, very nice uh, Roland V-Drum uh, set that I have here. Uh, down in my uh, um, uh, what is it, podcast podcast uh, dungeon podcast yeah dungeon. <laughs> let's write that one down <laughs> um, and uh, um, and before I got the chair I had to I actually sat in that chair that uh, you which have has a back and 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 it has a back and this was I had already gone off on this guy but then I, then I realized I got this thing and I did not have a chair so I had to sit in this chair with the back mm-hmm. And the thought of it kind of, I was like, oh, boy, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Yeah. So I was sitting forward. And, and at one point I'm playing, and I go ahead and I lean back and I keep playing. I was like, I just, all is forgiven, Adam Clayton <laughs> Powell Jr. the third. He suddenly you understood. Ugh, this is about, how can people, how does nobody do that? <laughs> how does, you know, next step is just the Tommy Lee diaper. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like, yeah. He just wears a diaper. So that you don't have to worry about using the bathroom when you're drumming. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like the drummer's friend. Is, that's what they call diapers. Yeah, the drummer's friend. <laughs> that's right. Drummers, very well known. Bass players always get the women. Drummers piss themselves constantly. <laughs> it's a fact. That's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Baby. That's right. It's more rock and roll when you say baby at the end of it. Yeah, it really is. But you, when you pause like that, it just makes it weird. Less rock and roll. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. Um, so, uh, so, so I can explain, and we'll we'll get to a discussion of uh, uh, the the process of comedy soon enough. But that is what uh, um, what we're trying to do here. Like mm-hmm. we both write for the show, and uh, um, and we the both, idea we both been writing. You've been writing for the show for longer than I have. I have. I've been there for a long time. I've been there for. I've been writing there for about four years, but uh-huh. I've worked there longer than that. And I want to talk about that. You were in production before that. Yeah. For how long? For I would altogether counting my time as a production assistant, my time as a segment producer. That was about six and a half years. So about, actually about six years. Yeah, six, six and a half years. So you were upstairs and then got the segment producer maybe, thing and went down. Maybe about five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. I was in... Uh, I you was weren't in, an intern, were you? I was an intern. Oh, you did intern. Yeah, I interned... In, was I nice to you? You were very nice what to me. We'll talk about that later, too. Yeah. But so uh, so I, to get back to the very brief explanation of how I right. got to write for the show, I interned for the show my last semester at college, and then a production assistant position opened up as I was graduating. And they asked me to interview for that, and I interviewed for that, and I did that for about two and a half years. And that was around the time when I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like, this is a great show. And what is that? What, what is a quick job description of production, production assistant? Production assistant is you're doing the things that are not grunt level, because that's what an intern does. Like, it's an intern's job to, like, go out and buy groceries and things like that. But as a production assistant, you're doing basic office work, you're answering the telephone sometimes, you are making sure the interns know what they're doing, and you do a lot of transcribing videotapes. Like, oh, but then uh, that's, I thought that interns do most of that. Now the interns do that. When I was a production assistant, the interns didn't do that as much. Um, so I did that for about two and a half years, and then me and another production assistant, Mr. James Don, who's now a senior segment producer at the show, uh-huh. or just senior producer... We uh, were tired of doing that, so we wrote and produced two, like, pitch segments with starring correspondents from the show, Mr. Robert Cordry and Mr. Yeah. Edward Helms. Ed Helms, my, my, my cousin-in-law. Your cousin-in-law. And uh, they were very nice to, like, star in these, like, short segments that we wrote and put together, and then we left copies of the tape of those segments on each of the executive producer's desks. And then with a letter saying, like, 
we don't want to pay production assistance anymore. We think we can do more than that. So just watch this. Really? And Damn. luckily, it was like such a... So like, who were the producers at that point? At that time, Ben Carlin was still the executive producer. Right. Uh, Kahani Korn, now she's Kahani Cooperman. Right. Uh, Stu Bailey was yeah. still executive producer, I think. And DJ Jabberbound was head writer. Oof, boy, and, huh? And, uh... <laughs> I mean, uh... I mean, great guy, great oof, guy. Oof, boy, right? <laughs> Classic. Classic Simpsons. And, uh... So we and Ben said, like, these are pretty good, and we're going to expand the production department. We want you to take on those jobs. We're moving to this other building. It's bigger. We're going to have more jobs for segment producers. Oh, so we were still in where Colbert is now. Yeah, in the building on 54th Street. And then I was a segment producer for about three and a half years. So I guess it was about six years altogether. And, and then segment producer is... Oh, that, 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 that's some larger responsibility there. Yeah. There you're actually working with the editors, working with the writers. You're producing segments. You're pitching ideas for segments. You're finding footage, showing it to John, cutting together like the montages and just sound bites for the show. And it's a lot of – it's in, you're basically in touch with almost every aspect of the show – in some way or another, if you're yeah, you are like when like it's funny because you know you think you get to be a writer, and but then as soon as you become a writer, you realize wow, I'm not in on half the yeah. stuff I was in on before. Like, you know, you you quickly realize that production is a much bigger thing, and then and then all the once you get to executive producer, then you're doing most of the writing too anyway. Yeah. So it's like it's it's kind of interesting. All of a sudden, it, the writer is is a uh, um, is not. That's why I, I don't know. That's probably also a pay thing, but on sitcoms and stuff, so many people are executive pro- or co-executive producers or whatever. You know, they have everybody's a co-producer. There's no writers. Yeah, I think that's partly. I think that's a lot of it is a pay thing. Like I know on like Simpsons, I think it's like when you've written there for a long enough, you become a producer, but you're still basically doing writing. And I think work. it also has something to do with uh, that goes into syndication. How how you yeah, might get yeah. paid off of that too. That's true. If you take part in the profit participation right. or whatever. Um, but so, but it was interesting because as producer, I felt like it feel when you go from segment producer to writer, it was like going from being on the front lines in a war to being like way behind the lines as like a general or a colonel. So you're you have more response in a, in a way you've been moved up. You have more prestige and you're making more money, but you feel much less connected with the thing that you're working on. With the it's pro- like, actual production of the... Yeah, because you're just handing your stuff over at one point. You yeah. have no choice in that matter. Yeah. Whereas the producers are in really heavily involved in that day's show the entire day long because once we write our stuff, we hand it in. We might have to rewrite it once or twice. Um, and then there's all kinds of like the gangs that we have, which yeah. is... Describe a gang. A gang is... So if there's a part in a headline, they like a soundbite, they don't like the joke that the writer put on it, and this is something that every writer at the show has had to deal with where they're like, they're like, oh, we got a gang, everybody. So everybody gets together in a room and you look at the soundbite and you notice that they didn't like the joke that you wrote off of it. And now you, you and everyone else has to, in a way, just kind of like spit out four or five other possibilities. No to bad ideas. Space. And there aren't, it's one of those things where you're like, there are no bad ideas in Safe this room. Zone. But if you say something that people don't like, it will be remarked Boo. on. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like, it feels like it was a safe zone at some point, but maybe we all know each other a little too well and we don't care if we piss each other off. Well, so. this was a funny thing. We did, I told you about the, uh, um, with the rock turn that I had last yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the, the, uh, so Chris Rock set up a program where like he has interns and he, he gets them 
sort of internship or like guidance things at, at different shows? They kind of rotate through a couple different shows, one a week. Mm-hmm. So they spend a week at The Daily Show, a week at Colbert, a yeah. week at, I don't know, Fallon maybe? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where else they know. go. But they, um, and so they, they and they, they get assigned to a writer and, and, and they just kind of like pay attention to the process and they try to write something for the show and the writer goes over it with them and just tries to teach them whatever you can. And, um, and so I had this, uh, 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 I was the kind of mentor for one recently and she was going over to um, Colbert the next week and I was, uh, I did, I, I, was curious as to how they operated over there. And I had this nice mm-hmm. conversation with her before she went. And she said, oh, I'm going to Colbert next week. I said, well, do me a favor. Just email me and, and let me know what you, the, what the, just in general, just kind of what the process is like over there, how it's different and what, you know, just the vibe you get. And within a few days uh, that, that next week, she emailed me. And, um, and uh, one of the main things she said is that uh, um, they weren't quite as mean to each other. <laughs> <laughs> they seemed to be very. They seemed to all like each other, and uh, I mean, she said it in kind of a joking manner because she knew that we're all messing around. Yeah. But apparently, that doesn't happen much over there, and that they they all work together all the time. Sometimes we work separately. Yeah. On a headline or something, but they're never doing something that they're not working. There's not two people working on a single thing, which is um, which we kind of used to do. We used to do a lot more. Well, we go through cycles of it. Yeah, Our we show, still do a lot of that. But there, there are when you're doing a headline, which is the stuff John does at the beginning of the show. Then you're usually work by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two guys will work on it, or girls mm-hmm. will work on it, but they'll work separately and hand in two separate passes. Right, and think, then and then if you have a rewrite, sometimes then you get together and work on on the rewrite together. Yeah, and it, what's it? Gangs are interesting because it seems like it's the part of the day, the only part of the day that really fits with. What people outside of com- of TV writing think of TV writing as? Yeah, right. We're all sitting around a table. Yeah, writing I think jokes. a lot of people still think it's like your show of shows. We've got like eight crazy cutups sitting around a table, and they all yell out ideas. And there's one guy at the typewriter just typing it all in. And the only time we do and that, and one guy in the corner just going boing, 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 every <laughs> once in a while, or just like, just kind of making noises, and dancing yeah, around. They, he might be a janitor. Who knows? But yeah, that's, nobody knows what that guy's but doing he's there. there. Yeah, and uh, I wonder what he gets paid. What's a guy like you make? That <laughs> what do you make for boing? Yeah, because I'd be boinging a lot if I were. <laughs> so I think I could do that. Yeah, I, I could do that. Pull that off. I could, I could boing for a living. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just depends. What are the hours? What are the hours? <laughs> do you think you could work in a hat store? Yeah, it depends. What are the hours? <laughs> With the uh... I, I, my my, I don't know why all of a sudden I sounded like Ringo Starr there. I'm not sure how that really. Instead of uh, what, instead of uh, not David Saint Hubbins, but no, uh, uh, Nigel Tufnell. Nigel Tufnell. <laughs> yeah. Because it's David St. Hovind's, uh, Derek Smalls, who's Harry Shearer, and, yeah. and Nigel Tufnell yeah. is uh, is Christopher Guest. Yeah. But the uh, but that's really the only time of day it feels like we have meetings where there's all this in a meeting, but those jokes only occasionally end up in the script. But like during those gangs, it's like a little taste of the old time comedy. Yeah, show and that writing. you have a setup. And our mission in, as a group, and sometimes we're all in there, there's usually at least you know four or five people, sometimes eight, nine people in there. It's like there's a, if too few people doesn't, isn't good for a gang, two or three people is not enough, but like 
seven or eight is like too many. Yeah, it's, it gets it gets awful crowded. But then, yeah. and it depends on the gang. Sometimes it is like a setup, and we just need a joke off of it. So we, you know, sometimes there's a little more guidance than other times, and you just spit out jokes. And sometimes, you know, and and basically we have our rule, which has gone through <laughs> a couple of different kind of as far as like what kind of joke is accepted. Yeah. Whether so basically. Somebody has to say a joke. You'd assume that it gets a laugh. If it gets a laugh from a lot of people, it goes in because you just know. Yeah. If it gets a laugh, some, but, but sometimes you can say a joke and it doesn't really get anything, but somebody will just, there'll be a pause. It'll be like a three, four yeah. second pause. And then somebody goes like, you know, I'll second that. <laughs> and that's all it takes. And that's then it like, goes in. Yeah. yeah, then it goes in because, um, uh, because, uh, uh, because it's been seconded, but with just, it, it doesn't take any enthusiasm really whatsoever. No, yeah. It's just the word, I'll second that. But then sometimes the second has been, we've, we've had some Seconds challenges. Seconds have been denied. Yeah. Uh, depending denied. on who is. How can you do that? And then there's an appeals court. <laughs> so Goes that goes on for some time. Supreme gang Anyway, court, yeah. now it's Saturday afternoon. The show. <laughs> the show's long, long over. We've been sitting there for a long time. No idea what's going on. But the precedent has been set. Just and that's... pages tearing off of the calendar. <laughs> but that's, depending on who, well, that's the other thing is, every, every writing room is different partly because people's individual personalities are different and depending on who's operating whose office the gang is taking place in the rules might be wildly different some writers are much harder to get to type things than others are and there's some writers who don't listen to the second rule and they'll they're the ultimate arbiter and there are other writers who just want you to tell them what to put in like they have no they don't want to be in control at all but they're the ones at the keyboard it's uh it's such it's always a strange thing to be working with other people in a creative context rather than some place where the job is objective. You know, like if you're working in a factory or you're trying to increase sales for a company, there's a certain amount that everyone can agree on. But with jokes, like a joke may end up on the show and get a huge laugh that some writers don't like or vice versa. All the writers might like a joke and the producers don't like it. It's such a subjective thing. Well, and then it changes throughout the day just because it's almost like the nature of something gets old pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but you never know. The ultimate decision maker in our, in our case is John. And, and there's um, there is the, you know, there's we're writing stuff all day before we go down to rehearsal. And then in between rehearsal and the show, there's a there's a rewriting session that is includes John and, and the uh, head writer and executive producers. And sometimes some of the writers too, who are in on that, mm-hmm. and uh, depending on if you worked on, yeah, on, on something in that show, and um, and you know, this, a lot of times that's when a lot of it happens. That's when the show comes together because a lot of times we go down knowing that the script is you know, five minutes over yeah. on a twenty-two minute show that has a five-minute field piece and a five-minute, you know, uh, a guest, uh, the guest, and, yeah. So you know, so there's just way there's you have fifty percent too much material you know, going down. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, it's obvious that changes need to be made and that's just the nature of it. And without that clay, you know, you don't get to where you're going. So, yeah. Um, by the way, I thought it was funny earlier that I'm trying to like, we really are set up. I don't know if you might be able to hear the train going down underneath. I'm above the E and the V. We can hear it. I don't know if the, it's, if I'd be interested to find out if the microphone picks it up, but you can hear the train going by. Yeah, it might. It picks up like the very much like we're doing a drug deal in a seventies movie. Just like the train going through all it, you know, constantly. I should keep that in mind because maybe I could, like, I could have people. We could just do drug deals here as well. This would be a great space for selling drugs. You just got to bring him into the building. That's the thing. The doorman's a witness, so you want to cut him in for a little bit. Yeah, we, you have to definitely cut in the doorman. Yeah, but otherwise, like, there's a window, but it opens. And on then the later, shaft. of course, kill him. 
Oh yeah, well yeah. because he's, well, he would have to die. He's in too deep. He's getting scared. You got to yeah. cover your tracks. Well, he would start like demanding more and you know putting stuff out there. Like I know what's going on down there. I know what you're doing. I yeah. saw you, like that. Like what are we calling this movie? Uh, we're calling it Drug Dungeon. Drug Dungeon. <laughs> It's always it's always a dungeon. Yeah, it's if it's a room underground yeah. and it doesn't have wood paneling, it's a dungeon. Drug dungeon. So it's like you're selling drugs and there's a guy like hanging in chains on yeah, the Yeah, on the Iron wall. Maiden, yeah. yeah, executioner with a hood over his right, head. Right, sure, yeah. No shirt, yeah. And a doorman. And a doorman, yeah. <laughs> in a nice, like the, with the white gloves and the whole thing. Dressed like a Prussian military man. Right, yeah. who... <laughs> That's right. That is the standard New York City doorman <laughs> uniform. It's just a Prussian, like you know, uh, just leg man, military, like yeah. Well, if you corporal, dress, if you dress up a lot when you get up in the morning in New York, you're either a very rich man or you open the door for a very rich man. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only jobs that you dress up for. Is that right? Because what? Are, yeah, we don't really dress up here. You know, like shorts and a t-shirt, which is nice. Yeah. I, I often do that, though. I'll walk out of my building, which is a doorman building, because I'm filthy rich. Yeah, television writing, incredibly lucrative. I'm, it's ridiculous. Way too much. All you have to do is the J.R. Havlin method. You find a show Go on, on Comedy Central. Tell me about the method. has no potential for right, surviving. Right, none at all. You can't, you, this is no, there's no future here. Stay with it for 16 years. Yeah, go on. And then, you know, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Right. That's the next step. Stay with it for 16 years. Then find out your boss just signed on for another two years. <laughs> Stay with it for 18 years. Cross your fingers, your boss signs on for another two years. Make it an even 20. Now you're at an even 20. And you retire with $117,000 in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Because you live in New York. Yeah, because it, it is an incredibly expensive city. Yeah. And then you get the hell out of New York. It's yeah. $117,000. Yeah. It's not going to go too and far. And you go live in West Virginia, just like uh, like three miles from a coal mine. You find a nice place. Oh, yeah. You know, I got dreams. Every Yeah. I got dreams is what I'm saying. Um, where where were we? We were, we were just kind of generally talking about the uh, well, we were talking well, about ganging and, and, oh, and yeah. drugs for a while. We but. did get into that because there was that whole movie of uh, um, of uh, yeah, drug dungeon of, of drug dungeon, the hit and, film. Uh, and so then it becomes drug dungeon, starring. I mean, who's we going to cast as a no, doorman? Channing Tatum. It, could, it has to be Channing. I don't know about Channing Tatum. He's too, he might be the, he might be the guy that owns the drug dungeon. Oh, okay. Then you know, the, then the doormans maybe because he, uh, and he's sort of like an American Psycho kind of guy because it is like a you know it is like a nice place. Yeah. Except maybe, for the dungeon uh, part of it. What's her name from uh, Modern Family? A doorman? No, doorman. Oh well, now it could be a Come door on. woman. I don't. I don't know. Not that I have anything against that. <laughs> but I don't know. That is a thing you don't see a lot of. Well, what about uh, what about um, what's her name? From uh, Albert Knobs. She can play a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. Oh, she's good. What's her name? <laughs> so, uh, from, uh, I can name other things she's yeah, in. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no, I was doing, right there, I was doing uh, John Travolta from uh, Saturday Night Fever. When the, oh, when, yeah. yeah right. Which he's talking about. You know who came into the office the other day? Sir, Sir Lawrence Olivier. And he's just eating a burger. I don't know who that is. Sir Lawrence Olivier, you don't know who that is? <laughs> He was in this and that. So long as he's in that one commercial. I think she says he's in a commercial. <laughs> he goes, he's in oh, like yeah. a blueberry commercial or something. Uh, huh? And then, oh, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's good. He's good. <laughs> and then he just goes back to his burger. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite things in the whole movie. But uh, we, kept, we were talking about gangs and kind of... Yeah, which is part of the process. The few right? times how we don't work in large groups usually during the show. We're either writing on our own or writing in duos with another person. Uh, and also how, as a writer, at a certain point, you have to just let go of the script. Like, it gets, it goes through the other channels, and from that point on, you don't really have 
control over it, which it seems is, unless you're a writer-producer or, like, a writer-director in a movie, that seems to be just the way of the world of being a writer. Yeah. Like, if, it, if it's television or film, at a certain point, the writer just stops being a factor yeah, it's in the because, making yeah, and and so 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 much so that like when uh, um when uh, you know how many times do you go home and a friend of yours watches a show or something and says oh that one bit was that they did that thing and that was so funny and you're like oh yeah it was great did you do that uh, <laughs> and the answer is either no yeah. i didn't work on that or um no i did work on that yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's very rarely. Yeah. Yes, was that I yours? wrote that. Yeah. No, there's never yes. It's either no, I didn't, or no, I did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> did you work on that? But uh, um, uh, but that's the case. Like you know, I've, the friends that I know that work on sitcoms, mm-hmm. you know, if they if they're the writer on a certain episode, they say like you know, a twenty percent hit rate is is high. Yeah. Like if you you hand in your thing, but then it just gets there's so much other entire portions of it that just or change or do whatever um, by that long list of producers, you know. Yeah. Particularly, you know, a couple of them, I'm sure. But and the th- unless you're like Aaron Sorkin or something, you know, then you well, just that's the thing. You rattle stuff off and, at, at an uh, alarming rate. But in order to, you have to, it's almost, if, if you're a writer and you want to, like... Aaron Sorkin's our guest next week, by the way. Don't, oh, I won't, yeah. won't badmouth him Yeah, don't tell, don't, and don't tell too much so, about his secrets. So that blowhard is... What? Uh, oh, I mean, uh, I meant that in a good way. Okay. Uh, when he blows, it's really hard. Like, oh, it's but no, stuff. now you're saying that he, what? I mean, uh, oh boy, uh, this is awkward. It's getting um, worse. You're digging down. <laughs> I gotta dig up. Yeah. Uh, the, it seems like the only way... The seventh, seventh Simpsons reference. <laughs> This is the Simpsons yeah, cast. Yeah, I threw in that's like you threw in. I got a lot of those. We threw in some uh, uh, some Spinal Tap. Got a. If you um, like references to other comedy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, um, we 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 might even now get into like uh, um, uh, into uh, uh, the uh, Mo- Monty Python's Holy Grail. Oh yeah, yeah. In which case, I will have jumped the shark forty minutes into the first episode. <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to push that one off as much as possible. Yeah, right, right. But it seems like if you're if you're working as a writer in film or television, there's a choice that you have to make at some point, which is, am I okay with writing something for hire and it, having it changed, or do I want to take on myself the stress and the responsibility of being, or trying to be, the boss? Like, Aaron Sorkin gets his stuff on TV, but he's also the boss of his show. Yeah, but like he's, he runs yeah, it. Right. And I'm sure he has a super ulcer, and that's why he, he is bringing drugs with him on airplanes and things like that, uh-huh. or, you, or did that one time. Or like if you are, um, who's who's another, like Stephen Botchko or something like that, someone who, or David Chase. Oh, he's good. Or Matthew Weiner, like some, or Weiner. Yeah. Someone who came up through writing, or Mitch Hurwitz, like becomes, in order to do the show you want to do, you have to become yeah, well, the then, boss of it. Well, as you, like, like as, I, I remember somebody was asking me, um, so, as an older guy I was talking to about our show, he likes our show, and he was talking mm-hmm. about all the people, and I always I always have great praise for the people that I work with, because I, uh, um, I, I you know, I, I might be like everybody there in that um, I think that everybody there is better than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think we all are kind I of in that I certainly feel that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just surrounded by people who are better than me, and so. I, but we all think that I think so. Yeah. It's kind of nice. But uh, um, the the guy was talking about the uh, you know of course he brings up your show of shows, mm-hmm. and um, 
as with this this, oh, this they were, they heroic me, writing staff. They remind that they me had. of a story that you, I should tell after this. But anyway, okay, but well, but he was saying he was saying. So, what do you think? It's like which one of the guys that you tell me? Which one of the guys you're working with now is going to come out in that way? Like who's who's the next Neil Simon on your staff? Yeah, I I'm like no nobody. <laughs> nobody none of them that's not I don't think that's gonna happen yeah I'm not sure like how that if that happens but that is the idea that's basically a lot of times you get these and then you work on something of your own mm-hmm. you sell that on the power of having been working in this thing that you have you have some cash a little bit of cachet from that and um, and you become the showrunner on that which means that you're you're controlling the content of uh, uh, of your own show but that is uh Huge long shot, no matter who you are. Yeah. It's not. It's not exactly like you almost said it in passing, as if this is how this is how it works. But um, no, no. But it's it's something that well, the guys I named were all successful guys who did right. It. Yeah. But for every one of them, I left out a long, long, long list. A much longer list of people who are not successful at yeah. it and don't make that jump. It's like you have to make that choice and then successfully make the jump. Yeah, they didn't make the jump. They now, but they do have like several pretzel time kiosks. Yeah. Because they saved some money, and so I mean, it's a, yeah. you know you I mean, invest it. And still bring it in. Yeah. I my kids are in school. What do you what do you want out of me? Uh, but there, but it's interesting you say I have that's this is not the story I was referring to. Right. But it's interesting you say that about your show of shows, and like which one is going to go off? Because there was there's a show that they do show on PBS all the time, or not all the time, but when they have a fundraising drive and they need old New York Jewish people to give them money, they show a show <laughs> called. Do they do that? Do they give away their money? Uh, so, oh, yes, quite a bit. But, when this show is on, when but they get a bag or something. Am I wrong? They <laughs> yeah, must they get, get a something. tote bag. Okay, but it's the well, time yeah, you right. know that PBS needs money when up? they're showing like America's Jews, the story of Jews in America, all the all the documentaries about Jews in New York. Uh-huh. And there's a show called Caesar's Writers, which yeah, was yeah, just yeah, a yeah, panel yeah, discussion. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's like, and it's all them now though. And it's them now. Yeah, it, right. like, they taped it probably like. 10, 15 years And they, ago. like, leave an empty seat for Larry Gelbhardt or whatever it is. or Something but, like that, yeah. yeah. But they have... I, if, I, if he's alive, bless him. I love that guy. <laughs> Rest in peace, unless... I think. I don't know. <laughs> but they... Caveat. Hold but, on. Asterisk. <laughs> research works. We need a citation. I'm not even this. sure. Was he one of the writers on the show? Yeah, yeah. Larry Gelbhardt like was on yeah, the show. Okay, yeah. But they, they have, like, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Yeah, yeah, right. And... I don't think Neil Simon's there, but I think his brother, who also wrote, and the then show they is. and then from that show they all automatically launch into the thousand year old man thing. Yeah, they're, they're contractually obligated whenever they get <laughs> At together. At some point, yeah, they have to. But it's and then there's one or two people there who are not like I think Mel Tolkien might be there, like writers who are not as well known. Right. And when one of them says something, the audience is like, "Haha, that's interesting." But then Mel Brooks says something, and the audience is like, "This is interesting." Mel Brooks is talking, right. and it's the or like. The fact, and it's, but the, but there's then, the, then there's the part of me that wants to be. My ambition is to be the guy on stage in one of those, like when John Stewart's writers is put together. Yeah, I'd rather be the guy who it's That's like. That's a big win. Yeah, it's a big win. in fifty years, yeah, forty years when we all get together. But, and I'm ninety seven. <laughs> yeah, That's, when you're like what? Yeah, I want. I would prefer to be the guy on stage where it's like. <laughs> I want. Like, I'm just. I'll be. You can be whoever you want to be on stage. I'll be the guy with the big <laughs> megaphone coming out of my ear. <laughs> I think it's called an ear trumpet. <laughs> an ear trumpet. All right. But go, so you want to be... My, my ambition, yeah. which may not be fulfilled, is to be the one of the guys on stage who is a known name who happened to work for the show yeah. rather than the guy who's there because he worked for the show. The same way that, like, Steve Martin... That'll be me. Yeah, which would be, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, would yeah, be yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be me. The same way that, like, Steve Martin wrote for the Smothers Brothers, 
but he's not thought of as Smothers Brothers writer Steve Martin. He's thought of as Steve Martin, and he did this thing once. Right. And there are a lot of other guys who wrote for the Smothers Brothers where their obituary will say Smothers Brothers writer dies. You know. Well, see, so so then here's my here's, here's so here's my ambition in that situation. Yeah. Not my ambition, but I feel like maybe it's like I don't know. If it's my ambition. I think it maybe it was, it was just my my future, whether I like it or not. Yeah. And I, and I, it would it would be nice, but it's it's a it's my hope. If for when that happens, and I'm 97 with my ear trumpet, <laughs> is that I I'm fine if I'm J.R. Havlin, writer for the Daily Show, yeah. because that has been my identity for some time, and I'm I'm used You're to it. You're comfortable, and yeah. I, I, Over a I, decade I like and it. a half, I like it, and uh, um, and so uh, I'd never fancied that I would even get here. Mm-hmm. Let alone be some be someone who was known for creating more than Something this. Else. Yeah. So, um, so that does take a little bit of ambition out of me. That I'm like, wow, I can't believe what I have. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also really like it, and so I I, I enjoy myself. I mean, and that's it's very the, fulfilling. That's, that's certainly the healthier way to live. Well, but then, so so then the idea is that when 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 that happens. That I'm the guy on stage that you know that nobody knows, yeah. and it's just the fact that he wrote for the show. Um, but everybody else on stage is like going, "Oh, he's the funny one," you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like that's what that's that's, the, that's the you guy. don't know this guy, but that's he's all, yeah. the real. Yeah, you guys take your mansions and do whatever you want to with him <laughs> in your your Academy Awards. Yeah, and I'll just be the guy that that you know I want to be the guy. Everybody else, but they'll be yeah. But he, come on, this guy here. You know the way they would talk about, and uh, I'll be like, "Huh? What? What? Peaches? Talking what? on a trumpet?" <laughs> the way the way that they talk about, you read things about the Marx Brothers, and they say like, "Well, they all agreed that Gummo was the funniest one." But <laughs> the Gummo, that's got to be like a story that they all put together, <laughs> like on this side. Here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna play the biggest gag on America ever. We're gonna tell them that Gummo's the funny one. That's like a Skinner. We heard you're the funny one. Yes. Yes, I am. There's another Simpsons. <laughs> another Simpsons. There's number we're up to eight. But they would say because Gummo, who left the act before they made any movies, they would be like, "Well, of course, he's he's the real funny he's one. He's going off on his own. He's going to do his thing." Yeah, but instead, he I think he was either an agent and or I think he ran a series of dry cleaners at one point. Well, there you but, go. Uh, there's your pretzel time. Yeah, that's your pretzel time right there. Pretzel time dry cleaners. But here's the here's the other your show of shows story, which is that uh, when I first met my. Um, I'm married, but before I was married, the first time I met my wife's grandfather, who has since passed away, who was a very imposing gentleman, uh, I was very nervous about meeting him because I knew he was very quick to judge people, like he was very harsh. Just from her telling you this? Just from stories I had heard. And he, uh, and I was on vacation with her family, and so it was also like I was out of my element. Uh, I was in Sarasota, Florida, which was not a place I'm used to going to, and he was like, tell me about your work. This was one of the, he hadn't really talked to me too much before this. Tell me about your work. And I talked, he let me talk for about 15 minutes talking about like what my job is, how would I do day to day. And he's not saying anything. He's not saying anything, just absorbing it, just taking it all in. And very, you know, the way that old people do. But it's like, but but you, can you kind of tell that it's like a jack in the box, and you're just doing, you're just cranking it the whole time, and pretty soon this guy's going to come out. Not and just, sure. Like I'm not sure what okay. he's. I'm not sure what he's looking Some for. Some tension probably. building, though. And but it's Inside also like you. here's like I know her parents are big fans of the show. Like here, I'll I'll build myself up a little bit in his sure. esteem. Yeah. And then he I, he finish I finish finally I run out of things to say, and he says and he goes <laughs> never a good thing really. Yeah. No. And he goes he goes well, let me tell you I've seen your show. I don't care for it. To <laughs> after me, 15 after fifteen minutes, let me go on yeah. bragging about it. To me, a funny a funny show is 
a Sid Caesar. And it's like, he's like, to me, <laughs> that's on. the funniest show. It's like, How well, old is this guy when he's saying this? He is about 90. He's about 89 or 90. You gotta, you gotta give it to him. I have to give it to him, but it's also yeah. like, that I wanted to say to him, so you thought comedy on television peaked at the beginning. <laughs> Like, maybe the second comedy show after Milton Berle right. is your show of shows. So And then from then on, it's just been a huge downhill plummet. Yeah. Ever since Steve Allen left The Tonight Show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Television been, hasn't been the same been since, garbage. since Steve Allen left. And then that young hussy Lucy. <laughs> Where'd she come from? With her, with her, with her blue humor. Yeah, her blue humor and her brown husband. What's that about? Well, they, uh, and he eventually he gave the show another try, and he liked it a little bit. Not very much. But like he, there's the only DVDs of the show that exist are the 2004 election coverage, and he took those out from the library. And there's some ad they're at the library. There's some ad for the Chappelle show that automatically plays. And apparently he was so disgusted by that ad that he stopped the DVD and returned it. Wow! Did not get, did not even get to the menu screen wow. of the DVD. So he well, was, the fact that he could get a DVD going though, you got to give it up again. Oh, no, he was, you know, for a man in his who eventually who lived to be 91. He was amazingly, like, on top of things. Right. But uh, but it was just that moment of him, like, yeah. Let me just tell you, I don't yeah. like the. I don't. I don't care, I don't for, care it. for what you I do. I don't care for it. I know you've been rambling on for it for fifteen minutes now, <laughs> and I let you do that. And I let you do that. Yeah. I could. But have I've cut known you off. from forty-five seconds how I was going to respond to this. You didn't realize I was setting a trap. No. You walked into the trap, and you then did. you sat in the trap. The jack for in the box. Minutes. The jack in the box has wheeled at its ugly head. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it is, but you know, Caesar's shows are very funny. You know. Yeah, you know what? I've never like it's. You know, I've. I don't know that. Like, I, I, I've never really watched them, and I've never watched like I've watched some Ernie Kovacs, mm-hmm. and and you know, I mean, all they, they you just get so many accolades and everything, and you and it was, but it was just crazy. Yeah, it was just completely insane sketch stuff. You well, know, part of the problem with the Ernie Kovacs stuff is the stuff that was more technically advanced. Is not yeah, well, as, that was the, what it was well, like. Yeah, when he's spinning around or whatever. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the stuff that's not as funny, and like he has some sketches that are just like goofy slapstick sketches. They're right. very funny, but everyone's like, "Oh, the Nairobi Trio! Oh, it's so wonderful!" And it's like, okay, it's guys with monkey masks and they hit each other on the head. Yeah. in time to music, like there's no real joke there. Well, but uh, monkey mask. But like, <laughs> that's the monkey mask is yeah. funny. Come on. But like, they, you know, the Caesar has a number of Sid Caesar has a number of sketches that don't quite work anymore, where they're just so broad. That it's like, oh, he's rolling his eyes at the camera. Again. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you, can't, you can't go but, back and, je- you know, you, ha- you have to be in a certain frame of mind but, for but you're has, watching a 50-year-old show. A, if you laugh at all, you got to be like, oh, my God, really? I can't, you know, that's But that's he has some, a number of genuinely funny longevity. sketches. Yeah, sure, yeah. And his his double talk routine I still find hilarious, where he and Carl Reiner usually will talk at each other in fake German or fake Italian with just enough real words that you understand what they're saying, but it's so rapid fire that it's just very funny. But, uh, With real, real English words that they throw in? Either real English words or real German words thrown in, but most of it is nonsense that just sounds like the language that you that it that they're saying. But you somehow follow their conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the th- but the the to tie together just to, some of the things I was talking about earlier. So, I like you. My dream would be to be one of those guys on stage who people know who he is. Yeah, yeah, I get but, that. Yeah, and I suppose that would be my dream too. But you know, but to make but to do that takes so much stress and so much effort and so much extra work. And it's already hard enough to get a job writing comedy for television that to then, like, even contemplate the steps it would take to move higher up than that in the hierarchy. Like, is sometimes just thinking about it, I'm like, oh, why bother? You know yeah. what? Do I really care that much if people know who I am? I don't know. So, well, but then again, we, you know, we're in a business that essentially 
the fact that people know who you are. First of all, you have to get people in the business to know who you are, so you can continue working. Yeah, in the business. so you can keep working. But but then the you know that that the getting people outside the business to know who you are is what you need for the sales of your product. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. Uh, um, and so <clears throat> it's a necessary part of it. I used to have a manager and and i don't have any of that stuff anymore and i haven't for a while because like after a while of being at the show i was i was looking at him like well, i'm giving you a cut of this i wasn't i wasn't giving him the usual cut but i was still giving him a cut still for something he was and, doing nothing for well you, well yeah basically but he but he but so he's so what he was doing was trying to get me to go somewhere else all yeah. the time go do this go do this and i was like you know it's just kind of the point where i don't even want to think about doing that stuff i like where i'm at this is where i want to be if I didn't have, the, I always think that way. If I didn't have this job, this is the job I would want. Yeah, that's so true. So why would I bitch about having it ever? So, um, so you still do. Yo, sure, constantly. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Like if I was, if you asked me what my ideal place to be is, if I wasn't here, it would be here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, in this storage room with you necessarily. But, but there is you know, extra work show. even for our executive producers and our head writers. Oh yeah. Like you know, I oh, mean, definitely. we 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 have. Uh, we have kind of an amazing schedule for for uh, um, for for TV, which is another thing that like uh, I, I can discuss with other people. Like um, you know, part of this is that we work at the same place, so that uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. No, no, not really. But we're telling Except the about we're, we're my telling the kids. We're telling the kids. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> there's some of that. This was another one of those things. Elliot and I were talking on the way over here about how. Um, uh, about seeing little tidbits of we were like I was spotting people doing things on the streets that you were like no I didn't see that and some guy was dancing but he didn't have earphones on so yeah. that was kind of weird and but the other day I was um, I was in my neighborhood and just saw a guy walking across the street with a kitchen sink he had a sink and it was just the sink there was nothing else attached to it no pipes or anything well it it did have like the 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 kind of faucet so made it so you knew it, was, like, it, it was actually a kitchen sink yeah so he actually had a kitchen sink and so it was just and so it would it would amuse me because it was here's a situation i've never seen before that this guy had he has the absolute opposite of everything <laughs> but the kitchen sink yes yeah yeah there's somebody out there <laughs> who has everything and this guy's looking for him. And, you know, there's going to be like Reese's peanut butter and chocolate. Just they're going to bump into each somebody other. Somebody holding everything is about to bump yeah, into him. Yeah, holding right down the street, <laughs> holding everything else in the world. <laughs> but they don't have that one thing. And here he comes across the street. And if they didn't meet, like if he crossed the street at the wrong time, mm-hmm. imagine. Oh, it'd be missed up, missed connection. The guy with the sink would have to go on Craigslist, missed connections. You had everything in your hands. I was holding a kitchen sink. I thought you were cute. Give me, you know, this is my email. <laughs> really? You put out your email like that on there? I, well, maybe you don't do that. Yeah. Here's my number and social security number. Yeah, That's because, a- I mean, I have everything but the kitchen sink, and I really need what you have, but I'm not putting my email on Craigslist. Yeah, what am on. I, an idiot? What am I, asking for uh, That's not how I got everything but that one thing. That I, I'll write it's Havlin at whatever. I'm not even going to say it. All the people out there all yeah. of a sudden inundating me with crap. Um, I told myself that uh, um, it would be silly for us to go past an hour, and I think that it might, uh, especially considering my wife is calling me right now. Oh. So um, that means come upstairs because the, uh, uh, well, that means come upstairs. We're going to go. We're going to leave the 
Comedy Dungeon. This is where later I'll put the music in. My dog is starting to go nuts. And it'll be like a music track. There's music. Just picture. There's a music track okay, playing right I'm now. So music. I don't know what it is, but it's it going to be. It seems like everything's yeah. falling apart. So you know, yeah, no, but it, you, it seems like that right now. But with the music but going, the music, you realize. It'll be professional. No, there's yeah. an energy happening, and you know that there's an end coming, and it's a whole thing. And uh, Elliot Kalen, thank you very thank much you for so joining Thank you so much for having me, Chair. All right. <laughs> See you tomorrow. At work. Okay.